The following is a fourth-hand production. Then he had a... This lights out! Now you want to get nuts? Come on! Let's get nuts. You know the thing about a shark? He's got lifeless eyes. Black eyes, like a doll's eye. That's it. I've had it with this dump! We've got no food, we've got no jobs. Our pet's heads are falling off! I'll start. My name is Rod, and I like to park. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Welcome to the Have You Seen This Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Spencer. And sadly, Ethan Wilson is out sick. So this week we have Jeff Willems and Natalie Willems with us today to discuss Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, the Jim Carrey romantic thriller, romantic drama. Anyways, welcome, both of you. How's it going? Yes, thank you. Doing good. Um, we're we're the Willems, uh, married couple, not brother and sister, <laughs> yes. for the record. Uh, yeah. yeah. I sh- oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was referenced in the episode as Nat Ken. From um, I Am Mother from I a few mother, weeks ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, some of you might remember Jeff. He was a guest host from when I was out of state and all that, so... Just filling in where I can. Yep. And uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for thanks for joining on kind of a short notice. You know, Ethan's just you know kind of he's still getting better, so he, we should be back to the normal swing of things next week. And um, right on, man. So I just kind of did a short description of the movie, and uh, yeah, it's just weird to do uh, Jim Carrey movies that aren't like super comedies. You know, like mm-hmm. one of the things that I really like. To, to go into about his career is his non-comedy parts. And, like uh, the number 23? The number, that was a weird one. The number 23, uh, The Truman Show, is probably his most popular mm. non-overt-comedy like movie. One of my favorites is The Majestic, which kind of came out around the same time. Oh, I, I don't know if I've that. seen that one. Yeah, yeah it's, one of, it's one of my favorites, actually, just because it's a, real, like a, a sleeper movie. And, um, and then this one was another really good one. It just... You expect you, know, you see Jim Carrey, you're like, ooh, it's gonna be comedy. But this shows that he has For a lot sure. of range and stuff, so I really like all that. Mm-hmm. Me too. And then so I'm just kind of I'm gonna go through my little list of topics. So uh, I first heard of this movie like a while back. Obviously, this came out in 2004, so I was just I was a teenager, and uh, you know I was my sophomore, junior year of high school, something like that. Anyways. But I didn't watch it until uh, it was on Netflix about five years ago. I watched it at Barclay. Watched it in college. And uh, I don't know. I liked the movie. It was really good. And so I wanted to – I never really got a chance to uh, to share it with other people. Just nobody really seemed interested at, at that time. So um, It's a deep wanna... movie to get into. Oh, yeah. yeah. Were you guys aware of this movie before you watched it? I was. I actually started watching it at one point, probably when it came on Netflix. Okay. But, yeah, I was expecting a totally different movie, and I was not really prepared for it at the time, so I think I just turned it off. But, uh-huh. I don't know. I wish I would have 
watched it all then because watching it now so much of it resonates and yeah it's just so cool because i'm fascinated with psychology stuff and it's very psychological philosophical yeah yeah so i thought i'd heard of this movie before but it turns out i hadn't so (laughs) or i mean i've heard of it obviously i was a huge jim carrey fan as a kid the ace ventura movies were Mm. my all-time favorite i used to uh I mean, I used to run around and do impersonations in stores, you know, of yeah. uh, Ace Ventura when he gets hit with the darts. The three <laughs> darts is too much. So, um, you know, always loved Jim Carrey. So I kn- it was on my radar that he was in this film. I thought I'd seen it years ago, but watching back through it, I now know I never saw it before. Uh, so this was a, a very new experience to me, but it was an interesting one. Yeah, I really like it. And, uh, oh, yeah, Ethan likes to go through who stars in it, obviously. Stars Jim Carrey and... Kate Winslet, but it also has um, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, uh, Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst, and uh, I can never remember his name, but the guy who played Falcone in the Batman uh, with uh, Christian Bale's Batman. Oh, and, uh, yeah, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, those are the, the main cast. And then, uh, you know, you see David Cross as, uh, you know, Jim Carrey's friend. Yeah, the um the <laughs> the stoner RC airplane flying yeah. uh Unha- deadbeat. I yeah. love that role. Yeah. That was hilarious. Unhappily married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the first question on our topic list is uh did you like it and what was it what you are expecting? Yes, I did like it. I I think I'm still gathering my thoughts. It's definitely uh-huh. there's a there's a lot to it. Um it's definitely not what I was expecting. Yeah. I thought it was, in my mind, it was more of like a, kind of a straightforward plot line, more based in reality, and then there was this element of trying to get his brain erased. That yeah. was kind of what I imagined, but you really get lost um, in the memories inside of his head, kind of, mm-hmm. uh, and and that was that went to some deeper levels than, than I was prepared for. I think uh-huh. it was a little bit confusing in the midst of, but... Um, it was still very interesting, and it, there's a lot that I liked about it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. It definitely was not what I was expecting, because I think if, if it was, I would have remembered, or like the beginning half of the movie would have made more sense, but mm-hmm. watching through it again, from the very beginning, a lot of things that I wasn't sure about or was confused about the first time was all answered in it. Yeah, it's just a deeper movie than what you usually watch. Yeah, and that's one of the things I really like about it. Like, as I said, it, it really showcases Jim Carrey's range. Yeah. And um, it just, yeah, it's, when I first saw it, I didn't expect it either. Like, And it's a movie that, like, you know, Jeff mentioned, you know, you're still, like, taking it in. It's a movie that there's so many, like, layers to it in a way. Um, you just... Sometimes you're just sitting there thinking about it for days because you're just like, what if that happened in real life? You know, it's just, it's, mm-hmm. cr- it's a crazy premise, but it's very cool at the same time. Yeah. And, um, it's my kind of rom com. I like yeah. very different rom coms. Yeah. And that, and that, I, and I like seeing people like Jim Carrey in roles like this because it shows that they are more than just what, they're more than just, he's like more than just a comedian. He's more than comedy. He is an actor, you know, which is, which is, which is cool. Some people probably wouldn't agree, but whatever. I don't know who and wouldn't he's agree. He's human. It's, yeah, exactly. It's a very human movie. Like, 
I think everybody has a moment in their life where they want something to be erased or uh-huh. they want to forget something. And so it's cool that they explored that. Yeah, that is actually a good point. Like, you know, we all have regrets and we wish we can go back and erase them and all that. But, you know, interestingly enough, on that note of, of being human, it is such a shared experience. And I read that, um, you know, they, they followed a script, but they left a lot of room for improvisation with the yeah. actors in this particular film. And so um, a lot of the dialogue between, um, you know, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet there was improvised. Mm-hmm. And part of how they kind of created their bond was by actually sharing real deep relationship experiences and things like that with one another to kind of build that bond without being in that relationship yeah. in real life themselves. Yeah, that's, a, that's always everyone, a good way to... Oh, everyone loves and loses and has heartbreak yeah. and all that stuff. So it's, it's very relatable. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And it, and it really sells their relationship on camera too. Like it just it's just they just did a really good job at that. Like they seemed like a real couple that went through like, you know, a really high high and really low lows like mm-hmm. yeah. And we'll get into the rest of this movie here shortly. Were there any parts you didn't like or problems? No, I I think my only I mean, the only thing I have to complain about is the moments that are hard to follow, but that's also what makes the movie unique. So, uh, you know, whether it's done intentionally or it's got this air of almost um, Inception-like quality where it's like, oh, yeah, of course Inception made sense, but it really doesn't (laughs) in a lot of ways. Maybe it's that type of thing. I don't know. But, um, you know, it was was definitely difficult to follow, but Uh I think that that was also due to my – um, presumption of what the movie was and yeah. it really wasn't that as well yeah. so I think that played a role in it um, but I, I really don't have too much to complain about I think it was pretty good um, I kind of like there There was times where I think you could say that Jim Carrey's performance wasn't always great but I think he just yeah. played kind of like a uh, you know like a kind of a manic semi-depressed semi-anxious yeah um, kind of reclusive character well and I think at moments that doesn't come across as great acting on screen because a person like that isn't putting on a show yeah so I think overall it was it was really well done I think he really got into some of his own personal depth and probably pain to kind of take on that role and so I I liked it overall and I'll even add in that on that note on his personal like pain um I, I don't even know if I include it in a fun fact, but the director was just like, you are, like, he was he was apparently really depressed during the movie or before the movie, and he just, the director was like, you're sad right now. Don't get better. And then Jim Carrey was just like, that's just how effed up this business is. Like, the director literally told him not to try to get better from his depression so he could mm-hmm. deliver a super believable performance. And I'm just like, oh, that's, that's cool that he you know wanted to keep him to get a real performance but it's also messed up at the same time and i'm just like oh gosh then i think i'm like am i gonna have to deal with that ever but for sure i mean you know even back to the days of alfred hitchcock you know he would scare his actors on set and things like that to get more realistic stuff from them so there's definitely kind of those method directors Mm -hmm. that do that kind of stuff this guy actually did that specifically like there's the scene at the doctor's office where Mark Ruffalo scares Kirsten Dunst. And apparently 
for each take he had him hide in different spots so she would shouldn't she wouldn't know where he was coming from. <laughs> oh, that's smart. That's so, great. I mean that but that one specifically probably wouldn't traumatize her. It's just like she's expecting to get scared but not sure from where. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, there wasn't a lot that I didn't like about this movie either. Um Mostly just a lot of the behind the scenes stuff is probably the stuff I I like the least. Nat, was there anything you didn't like? Uh no. I I'm not super critical of movies, so I liked it. I don't really have anything that I would want to change. Alright. What were your favorite parts and lines? I'll start mine off with like kind of the from the dialogue at the beginning or, or the over whatever, the audio at the beginning where he says why do I fall in love with every woman that shows me the least bit of attention? And it's just mm-hmm. like, that's very relatable, at least for me or, mm-hmm. you know, people that I know. You get the littlest bit of attention and you're just like, oh, oh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. that, you're it's, ready to like give your whole life to yeah, that. Yeah, seriously. I've, you know, I've definitely have been there multiple times. And as soon as I heard that, I'm just like, oh, gosh, <laughs> that's me. Relatable. Um, but yeah. I I really liked there's one quote and I had seen this before watching the movie and I really liked it then, but it was it's when they're laying in the snow or ice or whatever. Uh-huh. And they say something sorry, I'm butchering it, but it's like, Well, this is almost gone, what do we do now? Well, just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that's kind of how our lives here as humans on earth are like we really don't know what's going to happen and so we just better enjoy it yeah i agree i could have said that better but i don't know you said it great no yeah i think that was good that was that was at the end when they were at the memory where they first met and that was about to be yeah. erased they had been chased through the whole brain map essentially yeah and it was savoring those last moments on that beach and i think yeah. that is a, a profound revelation to say you know ultimately you, you know it was it was what do we do how do we stop this and you know mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's death in life as humans or it's something unexpected terrible happening you simply can't escape it and so all you really can do is enjoy it but yeah um, I really liked uh, on on a, on a different note. I liked her potato collection because I thought it was super yeah. weird, <laughs> and like yeah. it was just it was so early in the movie before you realize <laughs> how bizarre a lot of the the content is, and uh-huh. so I was just really WTF and when it was showing all those potatoes. <laughs> yeah, that's but, hilarious. Um, yeah, that was a pretty good part. And then other than that, I think I liked I liked um, now this was when we, they were on that frozen lake. And he's got that line that Elijah Wood later steals where he yes. talks about, you know, like, I'm uh, I'm happy, I'm content, I could die now. Like, I've just never been so happy with someone yeah. or something like that. Like, I've and just never felt happy before. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's just super relatable. Again, going back to anyone who's fallen in love, like, you, you feel those moments of, mm-hmm. like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And so, you know, it's, it's good ju- juxtaposition that versus the the fear and and the trying to escape those memories being erased and trying to hide the the two extremes of something so great that turns so terrible yet in the end you still would rather hold on to that despite the pain than lose it entirely yeah 
and the the thing I liked about that scene, like where they're on the ice, um, right before they're about to be erased, or, or right in the in the in the memory they're about to be released, but in you know real life, um, you know she's on the ice with Elijah Wood's character, and then he, everything he's saying is like kind of triggering her like to almost remember like her mm-hmm. the things that she erased because he's you know she's probably getting mad deja vu which is like why she's kind of going crazy and that was one of the things yeah, I wrote she's down just, she's hearing all these things that she thinks will trigger or like her body thinks are going to trigger something but it just doesn't feel right and yeah. she doesn't know why yeah and that's what so it's almost kinda, just super triggering mm-hmm. yeah and I would think that's weird like because, I mean, I get deja vu quite a bit for some reason, but if someone was, like, triggering it, like, every moment I'm around somebody, that would trip me out. Like, with just the things they say and stuff, so... And she's probably getting a lot of that on, like, the day she met... Uh, she met Jim Carrey's character for the second time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking beach. about that. Yeah, on the... Uh, at the beach, on the train, that whole thing. Yeah. I wrote and down that was very comment. awkward and uncomfortable for first i put that in air quotes meeting because like she was being very pushy and you know i yeah. really i relate to his character kind of like not really wanting to talk to strangers just because they're weird you know or like people i don't know or people come up yeah if i put myself in that specific spot i'm like yeah i'd be super uncomfortable <laughs> yeah that was interesting and it, it made a lot more sense getting through the movie because when you're first watching that yeah it seems like their first encounter and i was just kind of like you know, it's it's almost like when the character is too too oblivious or insecure uh-huh. to realize, like, dude, you know, uh, it wouldn't take a whole lot to get this girl real sweet on you. She's already there. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, just be a little bit romantic. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, she even invited him. Like, oh man, it's so weird because like she invited him back to her place for drinks. Like the first time they met, like she was already mm-hmm. that comfortable with him and stuff, and. And then he was in a spot where he's like, I should stop just being so mundane. You know, he wanted to be impulsive. Like, and you, and then you kind of realize, like, once you get to the end of the movie, and especially if you rewatch it, you know, you're like, oh, that's the impulsivity that she kind of taught him. And, but like, in, in their previous relationship, but he didn't realize mm-hmm. that. So he's just like, I need to be impulsive. And that he was. So I was just like, I'm like, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it was. It was. And then, uh, any other like? I mean, I have tons of other things that I like that we that I'll that I'll read through. Is there any like other big specific ones that you guys liked too? I thought it was cool. Like just like the the layers of it all. Yeah. Um, the really intricate ones, like when in the beginning, she kind of when they're on the train she snaps at him a little bit and then she's like sorry i i like i don't know who i like and who i don't like at any given moment uh-huh. and i think that was like stemming from when uh, when elijah wood is like at her apartment or whatever and she's screaming at him to leave yeah but she doesn't remember why she's she doesn't want him there or why what yeah. he's saying is triggering so she's just I don't know. I I thought at the beginning that that was like they were trying to portray her as maybe bipolar, uh-huh. and so that's where my mind went first. But it was actually just 
very intricate writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was great. The, I mean, and the, the writing was great. They did win an Oscar in 2005 for Best Original Screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, and well-deserved because it, it was very unique. And even looking at, you know, in, in the era of, of 2020, when we see a lot of remakes and yeah. just pumping out the same old story, this still rings pretty true as a very unique um, piece of writing. But yeah. I, I liked a lot of things, even going into some of the stylistic choices. I think the way that the dreams kind of crumbled and things evaporated were very interesting. Yes, I loved that. Um, yeah, when he's talking to her in the street and he's like, look at it out here, and a car falls from the sky and things like that, and like, you know, the the distorted faces of the doctor in the office when he goes back mm-hmm. into that memory from his memory. Um, I really liked those stylistic choices. I also really liked um, the, the minimal use of digital effects. There was a lot yeah. of practical, yeah. including when he's a child, like that forced perspective set of the table uh-huh. and all of that is just really unique, really interesting. And I think most people would have taken, you know, a, a digital effects way out of that. So yeah. it was interesting that they held so true to those practical effects. And I yeah. think that that, that really worked with the style of what they were trying to achieve there. Yeah. And it's always nice to see practical effects used like that, especially in 2004 when CGI was becoming easier and easier to use. You mm-hmm. would see people use it more and more and overuse it, as you know you could see from Michael Bay movies, you know, yeah. which are which are which are popular, starting to get popular in that time as well. You know, it's just throw explosions here and here and here. Like even the house with the sand and the water going through it was a set. Like that was a set oh, yeah. piece. And yeah, it was beautiful too. And uh, it was just, they just did so much. And and it, I put this in the fun facts, but because of that practical effect, in the scene where Jim Carrey is reliving his memory, watching himself in the doctor's office being interviewed before the erasure, that's actually all him just moving back and forth, changing costumes real quick. Like he's putting on a coat, standing up and standing there and looking at himself, and then he's moving real quick to sit down Wait, wait, and he's just you know, he's he's just doing that live. Yeah, I did read that too, and I thought that was really interesting and really fascinating. It mm-hmm. made sense because when he's standing up, you can tell he's out of breath. Yeah, but he's trying to slow it down. But it but it works with the way the the movie flows at that time because he's still trying to piece together what he's seeing and what's going on. He's just like wait wait wait. So he's probably in a way kind of panicked, which the out of breath kind of helps with that a True. little bit even though mm-hmm. he wouldn't be out of breath in his own memory but you know yeah. dreams are crazy so who knows um so in my notes i when i referred to elijah wood's character or um, mark ruffalo's character or kirsten dunce's character i referred to them in their other their they're basically famous roles i in my notes i called him frodo I said, Hulk is a scientist still. Um, Mary Jane. I, I wrote her, her. So her character's name was actually Mary. But I wrote Mary oh, yeah. Jane. And then, then I actually realized this sentence was way more hilarious now. I wrote Mary Jane trying her best not to let her boss know she was stoned. And then the implications of what Mary <laughs> Jane means. I didn't even realize I did that That's until beautiful. right now. So, Yeah. Um, yeah, what a dope job, by the way. You just yeah. hang out in someone's house, raid their liquor cabinet, 
get stoned in their living room without a, a care. Yeah. yeah, they yeah, yeah. just yeah, dance naked on the bed just... while the guy's sleeping. Like it was just yeah. you know they they were playing it fast and loose. It clearly wasn't a oh, very yeah. uh, uh, highbrow medical procedure. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> and then you know one one of the techs just leaves to go hang out with the guys with the the patient's ex, which is you know it's like you know dating your therapist big no no you don't you don't hunt down a patient of whose memory you just wiped and then use their ex-boyfriend's lines and gifts to gain her favor that's i even wrote frodo is a scumbag yeah he's a creepy little chodester in this <laughs> yeah, one yeah. not about it <laughs> I mean, he does have, like, that soul patch line, though, mm-hmm. like, the, just the super thin pencil patch, so I'm not surprised. Yeah. That's that's a clear indicator of a D-bag. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite, or, like, a real cool scene was when they were, when they filmed it in, like, like Grand Central Station or whatever, the, or the big train station. Mm-hmm. Because they were in New York, right? Yeah. And where everyone, like, every time he, like, turns, people are just starting to disappear. I really liked that scene. It was just yeah, really that cool. was really cool. That was. I did also read that. Um, uh, well, I guess I'll save these for fun facts. I'm jumping the gun. Oh, okay. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm still on like favorite parts and and other and lines and scenes and stuff. So, oh, I'll, uh, while you're thinking, I'll talk about one. Um, kind of near the end, when the when the doctor comes to take over and fix things, and then, you know, Mark Ruffalo's character goes outside, and whatnot, and then you know Kirsten Dunst and the doctor, you know, kiss, and then. The doctor's wife knew that this was going to happen again. Like, she knew something was going to happen when the doctor got out of bed at 2 in the morning. And then, you know, she had a hunch. And then she drove over to the house and saw them kiss. And then, you know, the whole line of, you know, you can have him. You already did before. And she didn't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, you know, leading to the whole downfall of the doctor's office. You know, her sending out the recordings to everybody. That kind of all. My thought, the thing that bugged me with that is, as the wife, if you know it's going to happen, why get up out of bed, drive somewhere just to see him? Why not just sleep? Keep Fair sleeping. Enough. I mean, I think she definitely wanted proof, especially since, you know, it clear, like the memory erasure clearly didn't take. It, it basically showed, for this movie, saying that it, it showed that things between people are going to happen the way they're meant to happen which actually goes into um another fun fact that i was i'll I'll go into that later i don't want to ruin all my fun facts before we even get to that segment because there's so so many share the fun facts but i picked like i only picked like three so but i don't want to go through them all my my hang up with that scene is the mark ruffalo character he has a weird moment where he's like I'm going to step outside and get some air if that's all right with everyone. Like, yeah. clearly it's a nod to the fact that something had happened between them before. Yeah. But it's it almost felt like he inevitably knew that would happen again. Like, he was kind of mourning the loss that he had had, you know, that time of, of playfulness and intimacy with Mary. Yeah. And then he knew when he left that they, w- they would have that interaction. And then him yeah. getting on the horn in the van... All of that just kind of led me to believe that, you know, his last interaction when he says that he kind of had an inkling wasn't at all true. I think he yeah. knew full well. But I guess my question remains, you know, why did he 
why did he step outside? Did he think nothing would happen for those few minutes? Or did he know? I mean, he just, like, he had a, a big sigh out there at the van, and it just felt like he knew that some shit was about to go down, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a good point. Because, yeah, he did say at the end that, you know, he had, you know, potentially heard. And you make a good point that he probably did, you know, actually know. Or maybe he, he didn't know all of the details, but he probably could tell that she was infatuated with her boss Mm -hmm. and you know because she was trying so hard not to you know look stoned she you know made her made sure her hair was good and she was dressed professionally and or you know or as professional as she could be at that moment you know so he he probably just wanted some time away because he didn't want to feel like the third wheel you know Mm. because clearly she is just when he's when her boss is in the room she is zeroed in on him she is just giving Mm -hmm. giving him her you know 100 percent attention and he probably just felt jealous, so he, you know, ran away for a bit. Yeah, or know. he really did do the memory swipe, and he just knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, you know, and that's, and that's just one of those things. We might not ever know, but that's what's great about movies. You can speculate for, for things, especially if they don't confirm it. Mm-hmm more like real life where you don't always get closure exactly that's so much that's so true oh i wrote let's see um oh the scene where he's in the bookstore like and she you know she's working there and it's the scene where they're having a conversation in it and um after she disappears all of the book covers turn or all the books turn around so all the spines were inwards, so you couldn't see oh. any of the spines of the books. So you just see the the other side. I thought that was really cool that's how cool. they did that. Yeah, because even the the memories of just the books themselves and what they were went away too, and I thought that was really cool. Oh dang! Now I want to go back and watch that. <laughs> um, I did also kind of like at first, like when he's. Uh, for the first little bit of the movie, whenever you would, quote, see Elijah Wood's character, unquote, he'd be always be obscured. You couldn't really see yeah. his face mm-hmm. um, until kind of later on. Because like, when he would, at the car at the beginning, he's like, hey, what are you doing here? You know? And he's like, he's like, nah, go away. You couldn't, you couldn't see his face. And then you see him at the bookstore in the first memory, or one of the memories, you can't see his face but you can kind of hear his voice by then you're kind of like okay it's it's frodo who's that that's him right there mm-hmm. and then um and then later they actually reveal that, that that is him you know stole his girlfriend i just i noticed that that his face is obscured or blurred out at times yeah i didn't like that when he was trying to turn him around and like he didn't have a yeah, face he just, he just but wouldn't. you could you could totally tell that it was elijah wood though because of how yeah. short he was yeah I wrote in all caps, miniaturized Jim Carrey, lol. And then the two of them taking a bath in the sink. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. So the, there, despite all of that, there are still a few little funny moments just just based on how the you know the actual story played out. Like they probably didn't just be like, oh, let's put these two in a in a sink bath and be funny about it. But. <laughs> I mean, just the the nature of that itself is funny, and they don't even need to point to it, which is which is great, great storytelling for sure. Yeah. Um, but there's just there. I mean, 
we could probably talk about a ton of this movie i i intentionally uh left more of my thoughts out because i don't want to you know i don't want it to be me just monologuing about my favorite parts of the movie about the whole thing so <laughs> are there any yeah, other there so much yeah there's so much are there any other like specific parts that you guys like really liked i liked that it just was very accurate i feel like to life with depression. Uh-huh. Like, they didn't just go stereotypical depression kind of feels. Like, they were... They felt really real. And I know you said that about yeah. Jim Carrey. was in a low place at that point, but... I don't know. Just, like, the... The quiet moments mm-hmm. where you're just kind of sitting in that depths of despair with yeah. the characters one of the things i did th- find interesting is at the end that even though they listened to their little voice recordings of why they wanted to really or you know erase the other one from their memory you know they knew full well going into their second or their you know try number two that it, it didn't work out and it ended bitterly but mm-hmm. he said you know they still wanted he still wants to try which i found interesting and he even mentions that, you know, the old him would have just let it go, but the new him wanted to fight for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, that's that's really cool. That's really cool that they did that. An interesting fun fact that I did read was in, in those scenes where they're playing back their tapes, Jim Carrey was actually, like, so in character that on one of the takes he threw the tape recorder across the room and smashed it so they had to bring a new one in. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that's some good acting, though. I mean, mm-hmm. if he's that into, I mean, if he's that dialed into his character, you know, he's actually really feeling those emotions and, mm-hmm. you know, broke a set piece. <laughs> Seriously, man. There was a lot to think about. Just as you as you talk back through it and hear other people's opinion it's just like man there is so much there i mean you know there's a face value of what you're seeing in the film but there's so much beneath it that's never even spoken that leads to all kinds of potential speculation or relation Mm -hmm. based on your own personal anecdotes and life and what you relate to and it is just very it's an onion man it really is yeah and like that that is one of the things that I liked about the movie is like I do find Jim Carrey's character to be relatable to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I have the exact same life, but just the way he the way he is, but especially before he meets Clementine the first time and the second time where he's just kind of like, well, today's going to be the same, going to get up, going to go to work, going to go home. And then that's what kind of causes him to Well, also there was the like I said before, like he learned impulsivity from being with her, and that was kind of that started to be ingrained into his personality, and then that's why he went back to um, Montauk uh, the second, well, the second time. The first time he was invited to a party, met her there, and then you know the second time, you know, he just had it in his head to the train to Montauk. Gotta go, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that part didn't really click for me until the second time I watched it uh-huh. this morning. Because I was watching it last night, and I was really confused when he was talking about meeting her for the first time at that beach. I was like, 
they met on the train. What is he talking about? And so I was really confused last night. And then I realized that, you know, when she whispers to him, meet me in Montauk, like that is mm -hmm. what caused him to get on that train that day. Yeah. And so it all started to make a lot more sense after I watched it a second time. Uh-huh. And apparently, um, when he, in that, in the beginning, when he is at Mon Montauk and looking at that abandoned house, apparently you can hear kind of barely some of their conversation that they have from their very first meeting but oh, wow. i i didn't i didn't hear it when i watched the movie both times and then i just because I, I just read about it i'm just like that interesting but i yeah i didn't yeah. hear it but apparently they had added that in as kind of like a if you can hear it and that's like a look at that foreshadowing you know stuff or is it foreshadowing if it already happened in the past but it hasn't happened in the movie <laughs> i don't know it's some kind of shadowing yeah um but yeah, so I find it super relatable because I've been like that in the past, like and still now, where I just some things are I just I'm like I just I just won't do it just because I'm like ah uh, well you know what it would change my life too much I'm not gonna worry about it but mm -hmm. but yeah I mean I can't relate to the the relationship aspects in this movie but we won't get into that. You never. Uh... <laughs> You never fallen in love with a bright-haired girl on a train to nowhere? Mm-mm. Well, maybe I, one of these days. One of these Take days. Take more trains, huh? Yeah. The girl who can dye her hair all the colors of the rainbow and still not be damaged. Nope. <laughs> I had to look that up, actually, that she she does wear different wigs. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, that is so much processing on your hair, but I felt a lot better that she was wearing wigs. <laughs> yeah. They pulled it off to where it looked like she didn't. That's for sure. Yeah, they yeah. were they were convincing wigs for sure. You guys have any other favorite parts and lines? Nothing that sticks out in particular. Cool. That works for me. And now for a quick break with a couple of promos from a few other fourth-hand production podcasts. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the waste vessel, the Black Swirl. It's ongoing mission to explore strange new stories, to seek out new laughs and new absurdity, to boldly go where no sci-fi podcast has gone before. Welcome to Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind. Orlock, the host of the Happy Horror Coffee Break Old Time Horror Radio Show Podcast. What is a podcast? <laughs> I don't know, but I do know every other week, I, along with my happy robot assistant, Iris. Bite me. Not a butler. Garth, Garfunkel. Why? And the heavily depressed, demon-possessed, steady bear, crappy. I did some bad stuff in my life. Take on a slew of comedian, author, musician, and whatever else guests. And ask them the questions that nobody cares about. Then they help us to turn online scary stories into old-timey horror radio dramas. 
Come and join the fun. There's music and t-shirts. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Schlapstick, Hard Knockers, and whatever else made up name. They give the podcast platforms nowadays. So settle down, tune in, and enjoy your happy horror coffee break. Let's go back to the show. Well, uh, would you recommend this to a friend? Depending on the friend. Yeah, that's fair right point. Answer. That is a good answer. Like if it if I have some friends or acquaintances that don't really like to get below surface level, and so I would not recommend it to them because yeah. they would not enjoy it. But I also do have people that like to dive deep, like I do, and. I know they would appreciate it if they haven't seen it already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought to myself, I wonder what Ethan would have thought of this movie if he were hosting this week, and I figured it'd be something like, "Well, I watched it, but I'm never gonna watch it again. That's for sure." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I think <laughs> I think it depends on your taste, but I, I agree. I think that if you have you know, if you have a friend that likes these kind of things that are very kind of layered or not you know not a linear script where you're just walking from one line to the next things aren't obvious they're not handed to you um you know if you appreciate some more kind of if you don't mind being lost along the way for it to kind of wrap up and make a little bit more sense at the end then i Mm -hmm. think it's great you know if you like some non-traditional stuff if you like things a little bit darker um then i think it's a highly recommended if if that stuff's not your jam then you're probably going to turn it off or uh, get on your phone, if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah, I do love that I can't, I couldn't predict things in the movie. Yes. That's a great part. That's, a, that's like a great thing about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just so unique that, I mean, there are, there are movies where it's like, it starts at the very end, and it's just like, wait, let me tell you how I got here. And then that's the movie yeah. until it catches up to that point. But I like how it's, a version of that but not exactly like that like mm-hmm. it it tells the movie you know or it tells like you know it tells the story through the memories and that's what i yeah. loved about it like it's like more advanced yeah and, and, and almost, as the memories are being deleted for that matter and yeah. so yeah i thought that was i just i that's one of the things it's so unique it's mm-hmm. almost a juke in that way too because it, it feels like that classic format of like here you're introduced to a character and where they're at and now we're going to backfill and show you how they got Mm -hmm. there and then you start to realize like oh maybe that wasn't part of the story maybe that's a memory or maybe that is them now like it gets very confusing and you realize that it's not just this linear straightforward uh, story like you thought perhaps it might be uh huh but yeah so I, I also obviously I'm the one who pitched this movie for this episode so i obviously good do choice. recommend it yeah good choice and then does it hold up in 2020 i think so yeah i think so too i mean there wasn't any like glaring tech differences and storytelling and you know it's it, it's a human story and it's done pretty well so 
Yeah. Even, I even guess though it's I, sci-fi, you know, can't erase people from your memory, but it still it still holds up to me. Yeah, it it wasn't that weird not seeing people on their phones, but now thinking back, it yeah. is a little odd that not everybody had their face in their phones. But I honestly, the movie would be boring. That didn't occur to me at all, honestly. I yeah, I didn't think about that either. I never, I never think about that when I'm watching those movies. But I, it might be because like, I didn't get my first phone till I was 19, and so like I had you know gone through all of you know my you know ch- you know young adult you know hood without one, and mm-hmm. so I don't know. So th- there's just a part of me that 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 doesn't that doesn't register when you know when I see an old you know, push button, you know, hand or, you know, a phone from the nineties or, or before it's just like, you know, I, I see that. I'm like, yep. Makes sense to me. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally we'll watch a movie from like the eighties or the nineties. And we're just like, yep. I remember that. That seems totally normal. But then I'm like, Oh, <laughs> now it's totally different. Yeah. I think, I think it holds up well in 2020. I mean, I think that there was, I mean, quite well actually because again we are in an uh, an era of remakes and retold stories and i think that this is still so unique that it's worth watching to this day i think it also had a lot of late 90s mid 2000s heavy hitters elijah was you know coming off of lord of the rings still in the middle of that trilogy yeah um taking this role you know kirsten dunce and spider-man back then Um, you know, Kate Winslet has always been kind of a massive star of that era. Yeah. Jim Carrey. There is just there is so much going on with it, and I think it's an interesting kind of time capsule and look at uh, just those times and who is popular then. Yeah. And this is a very different look. You know, you're seeing them all in roles that you probably won't see them in because they were in a lot of big blockbusters that were a little bit yeah. more typical format. So um, I think it's great. I think it's you know it's it's a movie that. Um, the only difficulty with it holding up in 2020 is we're all depressed enough right now who needs any extra but you know yeah. I still think uh, it, it was good to see that because it's like well at least I haven't lost all the memories of good times and people I love I still have that so I'm doing yeah. pretty good <laughs> yeah that's true yeah so that uh, it does hold up pretty well uh, rewatchability uh, do you think it's like when you would watch multiple times a year or you know once every five years maybe well, we've watched it twice in 24 hours already. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I still feel like I want to watch it again, and I'm sure I would see new, see and like realize new things watching it again. Oh yeah. I don't know. It's it's definitely a mood that you get into in watching uh-huh. it, and definitely. Sometimes you don't have a year or two where you need any other reason to like go in the dip depths of despair so yeah but we're going to severe introspection is, yeah mm-hmm. i think that's also necessary though t- sometimes so i think the rewatchability is very high yeah yeah okay. i i think it's higher than most just because of how kind of confusing it is because that was yeah. that was my inclination too i mean like natalie said you know i just I wanted to watch it again because it started to make more sense as you watched it again and then you started yeah. to kind of piece it together and these things that weren't really easter eggs but you just weren't following the whole yeah. storyline before become kind of these easter eggs as you watch it again yeah when you rewatch when you from my experience in rewatching things which is pretty much all i do um you 
when you're watching a movie for the first time, you're you're not really looking for specific things, but when you start to rewatch it, you you don't like you know if you're not like oh I'm gonna specifically look for this, you're still looking for things, you know mm-hmm. you just you start you're paying more attention to the details rather than the overall picture of it. So like when you start to rewatch stuff, that's that's just what I notice what happens like. Mm-hmm. Anyways, because I rewatch stuff all the time. And honestly, you know, it, this happened in 2004. We're 16 years down the road. Mm-hmm. Where is this brain map erased technology? And can I get the last four years of Trump's presidency erased from my brain? That's my big yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that wouldn't be very hard for me. I'd just be like, well, just all the Yeah. They'd, they'd, they'd make billions of dollars. Yeah. And then lose it in lawsuits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's such a it's, it's such a massive liability to run a company that does that. Yeah. Even just the smoke and weed in his house, like that's one huge <laughs> lawsuit. Like yeah. there's so many. Yeah. So many problems. And then trying to cover up, you know, sexual misconduct. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. uh, you know in the movie. <laughs> by but erasing. you know. All they have to do is just erase his memory that he ever went to the doctor in the first place. Yeah. It's the brilliance of the uh, the business model is that if you have an oops, you just erase that memory. Yeah. <laughs> Add it onto the list of things to delete. That's right. And, this uh, guy's pretty much a vegetable, but he saw too much. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so fun facts. Um, I don't know which ones you have, but I know I have one where it says they planned an ending where they were old because they kept erasing each other from their memories and kept re-meeting and dating again in that span. Oh, that would have been good. And that span, that would have spanned over like, you know, 50 years. So like their ending was going to be them just constantly basically kind of stuck in a, a relationship loop where they, they date, they hate each other. They erase each other. They date, they hate each other. They erase each other for, you know for 50 years mm-hmm. and that would have been yeah. a, a classic non-american film ending because like the director wasn't american so you know or something like that or the writer yeah the the director was french yeah and he actually um a couple interesting things about him he's done a lot of short films and um music videos so he's done mm-hmm. a lot of stuff with bjork and like the white stripes like kind of more interesting stylistic mm-hmm. musicians so i think that's where a lot of his style came from but uh he also did a nespresso short with george clooney <laughs> uh, so get some nespresso everyone this podcast is not sponsored by nespresso yeah, not a sponsor. but you can still buy it um but also the really interesting thing which i think this is this speaks to his style and just what the movie was i read that he actually um he he works with a headset uh, operation with his camera director, so they yeah. all have headsets on. He can talk to them, and so really, with a lot of these scenes, they would take and retake and let the actors do whatever they want, move about the scene wherever they want, and he would just call out um, movements to his camera operators, mm-hmm. and th- they did that all in French, so that no one got confused by Americans talking, you know, uh, by English happening during the lines which were in English. So, yeah. um, you know, he's calling camera direction and. and and the actor said that that freed them up to really just 
kind of live in that scene and do things that were natural instead of having yeah. to stay on these marks and, and do the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. So really fascinating what he did there, and I'm interested to see more of his work. Yeah, I did yeah, read that that, that strategy specifically also led to some frustrations. I mean, obviously, you know, when you start to when you mix things up like that, when you're so used to being like, okay, well, the actor's going to walk on these marks at this time, step into this light, but, you know, changing that, you know, I, you know they had a lot of handheld cameras for it, and just like, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and, uh, it was very dark overall, too. Like, not just thematically, but, but cinematically. Yeah, there was a lighting. lot of dark lighting. Yeah. And I, I wonder if it was... Uh, my initial thought was I wonder if this is intentional, but I wonder how much of it may have just been an actor moving to a space that wasn't properly lit, but still you know, displaying what the director was looking for, and so they kept those shots. I think a big part of it was the director wanting... He, he did not want an overabundance of stage lighting. Hmm. You know that's and that you know and I per, and I think that's what I read, but I know I there was tons of fun facts on IMDb and I just had to just start narrowing them down. I'm just like okay, and then obviously I had the one where you know he's watching himself in the doctor's office and had to change clothes over and over. So mm -hmm. those are and those are the only the fun facts I had. So there's tons cool. more. I got a couple more here. Um, yeah, hit me with them. So uh, going back to alternate endings, they at one point had a, a one-off scene at the end um, with uh, his ex-girlfriend Naomi, who oh, was played yeah. by Ellen Pompeo, which, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, Meredith Grey of Grey's Anatomy. So she was in the movie, but all of her scenes where she actually appeared were cut. But yeah. he had kind of a one-off where you know he's talking about going back to her. She was nice. Maybe he should. So there's kind of a scene that they cut where... He kind of goes back and has a one-night stand with her to, you know, try and get his head right and stop remembering mm -hmm. um, Clementine. But uh, a couple other ones that were really interesting. Apparently, Mark Ruffalo says that the um, scene where they dance in their underwear on on Jim Carrey's bed was totally improvised. Uh huh. Uh, so you know, maybe Mark Ruffalo just wanted to get Kirsten Dunst down to her nitty-gritty there. I don't know, uh, but uh, it was a great it was, scene. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate it. Yeah, Hulk uh, wanted to smash. He, <laughs> Hulk wanted to smash, baby. <laughs> That's uh, right. That was a good one. So there was that, and then my favorite, um, my favorite one here is that actually the, uh, oh man, what was it called? I can't think of the word. Oh, my favorite one here is the circus scene where they go up and see the elephants, and she mm. says that she wants to be an elephant. That was all completely improvised. There was a circus that was going through the streets near yeah. the set piece that they were filming at, and so they just took the whole production over there. So yeah. all of that was completely improvised. Even when she disappears in the crowd, they had to cut audio because Jim Carrey yells out Kate in that yeah. moment instead yeah. of the character's name. And apparently in that same scene, I didn't personally hear this, but they were in the street, and so there was people yelling at Jim Carrey and like reporters that wanted to interview him, and so apparently you can hear someone yell out, like, you know, Jim Carrey, speak to me, or something like that. And there's, like, some reporter yeah. that was trying to get him for a story. And so, yeah, the, you know, just to introduce that kind of chaos and take away the control of being on that set, you uh -huh. know, that, that scene feels kind of chaotic and very spontaneous yeah. and impromptu. But to know that that was not necessarily by design, but by necessity of, of being yeah. out there and running and gunning was really interesting. And it worked really well with their characters too, because 
Clementine is a very impulsive person and she's teaching Jim Carrey's character to be impulsive and that was an impulsive thing that they did as a movie crew you know mm-hmm. and so it just it worked so yeah that uh, definitely very interesting this is a deep cut here okay th- I, I'm just going to read this so I don't butcher it so this yeah. isn't just me being smart I'm reading this online <laughs> it says that the memory erasing company Lacuna Inc. takes its name from the Latin word meaning cavity, hollow, or dip, especially a pool or pond. Transfiguratively, lacuna comes to mean a gap, deficiency, or loss. The term lacunar infarct refers to a stroke that involves a small area of the brain responsible for a specific function or even a specific memory. Wow. Mm. That Quite is interesting. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a real... I mean, they. I think that speaks to the many nuances of this film. They went yeah. to such great lengths for such small details that mm-hmm. probably seventy percent of the audience may not have even caught unless they rewatched it or read about it, myself included. And that I think is is really fascinating because I think more than more than it being a job, more than them being concerned with budgets and box office. They were concerned with the story that they wanted to create, which I also read was born out of um, a friend of the story writer just giving the concept, hey, what if you got a card in the mail that just said somebody had erased all their memories of you? And that was what kind of kicked it off and birthed this entire thing. So kudos to them for going to extreme lengths to keep that so true to what they were trying to make because I think that's a huge Mm. part of what makes it so bizarre and wonderful. Yeah. Oh, here's a real interesting fact, though. Before Jim Carrey expressed interest in playing Joel, Nicolas Cage was considered for the role. Which brings us to our next segment. Who was up for the casting? Thank you for that transition, Jeff. Happy to help. Nicolas Cage was considered for the role of Joel. Would this movie have been... would, Would that have even worked? I mean, let's let's think back to 2004... That was when wasn't that around like what, was that his gone in sixty seconds time or no I think see, Nick uh, Cage I'm a very emotional person and I have always really detested Nicolas Cage's acting because I don't sense ever any real emotion uh-huh. and I think what makes Jim Carrey so good in this role is that. Like, you just know that he's either been there or he's, since we know he was in those depths of despair, he's just so good at putting that on camera, and I do not think that Nicolas Cage could have done that. I, I agree. agree. 2004 is the National Treasure 1 era. That's, oh. Yep. And, um, yeah, I, I just don't think that, I don't think that Nick Cage could have been as genuine. I mean... You know, if you know Jim Carrey, you know his story. He had a kind of a tumultuous upbringing. His yeah. family was rather depressive, and so a lot of his comedy comes from just his his desire as a child to try and cheer mm-hmm. his family up and make them more happy. And so, I think that there was a lot of personal life experience Jim Carrey had to tap into feelings that aided his performance here. And I just don't know that Nicolas Cage would have had that same well to pull from. He'd have been like Clementine. Yeah. Just kidding. Come I can't do an impression. Back. I can't either. 
I just sound yeah, like I someone don't... gasping for air. <laughs> yeah. I, I sound like somebody who's trying to do a Nicolas Cage impression, just can't. <laughs> uh, and then um, Seth Rogen auditioned for the role of Patrick, which was Elijah Wood's character. Okay, wow. Mm. Which has been like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I took her panties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he could have played that role all right. He would yeah, have seemed it... more more predatory, I think. Elijah oh, Wood was just kind of creepy predatory, yeah. but Seth Rogen... Like, he's going to lock this girl in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. But remember, no. this is also, you know, pre-Pineapple Express Seth Rogen. True. It's true. But he so was also... Was... How old was he? Let's this see. was he was probably about twenty four because since this movie two thousand four he was in he was probably around and he's probably in his mid twenties because he was around nineteen to twenty when he did um, the TV show Freaks and Geeks, mm-hmm. so this would have been kind of that era of Seth Rogen rather than the Seth Rogen we know today. But okay. Although yeah, he was yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he would have done well. Superbad wasn't until 2007. So this would be like 40-year-old virgin was 2005. Yeah. He was he was a bit heavier back then too, which I think would have been I mean, you, you, I'm not fat shaming anyone, but just the perception of the role, yeah. I think he would have felt creepier, a little bit yeah. heavier kind of, you know, burnout looking guy versus Elijah Wood looked douchey, but he was he's also just kind of so small in stature that he doesn't really feel yeah. threatening. He just feels creepy. Yes. And then for other potential casts, they considered Nicole Kidman or Catherine Zeta-Jones as the as a, the as uh, Clementine. I'm not really but a Nicole Kidman fan. I mean, it's like maybe Clementine got Botox through the roof, then yeah, bring in Nicole Kidman. But yeah, <laughs> she <laughs> but has no it emotion. Went to Kate Winslet because she is actually the only one to question any part of the script and just you know, you know, want to be like, why, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You mm. know, they gave it to her because she had, she was confident, and you know, she actually, you know, probably kind of portrayed some of the actual like you know character traits of what they were looking for in. Clementine. Interesting. I also believe that in the, in an interview she told maybe it was Empire magazine that this was one of her favorite roles ever. I can see that she crushed it. She did. Yeah. She did. All right. Well, I mean, I can't think of anything else to talk. I mean, I can talk about this movie for more, but I mean, we gotta can't we obviously can't have a five hour podcast for yeah. two hours. Oh, I did also read that they shot all the train scenes on an actual moving train. Yeah. Which is pretty fascinating because it definitely limits the angles and, and what they can uh-huh. really do with it there. And it, and it's nice that it's a real train because a lot of times when you see people film and narrow things like that, they'll build a fake set that's slightly wider that than an actual like train. Or like if you see, I mean, my mind immediately goes to Community in season... Uh, five. No, season six, where they're shooting an entire episode in a Winnebago, but the interior shots is just—it's like twelve feet wide on the inside. It's just like that is way too big. But Uh I think that's also the point of the joke for that episode is that clearly that set is too big for it to for an actual like you know RV. (laughs) So good. 
so let's see. I mean, that's that that's all I got. I mean, you guys have anything else to add before I close out here? No. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast appearance. Awesome. Yeah. Well, glad glad you can make your first one ours. Yeah, always happy to be here. And uh yeah, I'd say my my parting thought is to those listening, watch more of Jim Carrey's serious movies, you know? Number 23 yeah. is good. What was the other one that you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier? I want to go back and watch that now. It's me, The Majestic. Okay, yep. yeah. We're, we'll go we're actually going to be now. doing an episode on that movie in the next couple months, so that one's coming. Nice. And then so. he, um, I think in like the last five-ish years, he had a new movie where he was kind of like a grizzled detective that was more serious, but I haven't seen Ooh. that one yet. I'll have to look into that one. I He's also... Find- He's also in a in a new movie called uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh yes, he's a supervillain. He plays Doctor Robotnik. But maybe we'll That's watch right. that too. I'll just torture Ethan with these movies he won't like. Just kidding. Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey. Does Do- he not like Jim Carrey? No, 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 no. He loves Jim Carrey. It's just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I've known Ethan for ten years, and I still can't get a a bead on which movies that he'll like if he hasn't seen it like i'll recommend a movie i'm just like oh he's probably gonna hate it and he turns out he likes it i'm just like okay i didn't expect that like Mm -hmm. uh in the phantom episode i i actually say i didn't expect him to like it i thought he was gonna hate it (laughs) really he's just yeah he keeps his he's very reserved yeah yeah that that movie was called dark crimes in 2016 and he's like a murder investigator well, it scored pretty enough. low overall on IMDb, but it, it's it's a more serious take of Jim Carrey, so I'm interested to see it. Yeah, that's all right. He's got a big old grizzly oh. beard too. All right. Well, do you guys have uh, any socials you want people to follow? I've been off social media for a few months, so no need. That's totally understandable. Yeah, you can follow me if you want. If you like uh, pretty pictures uh, and uh, stuff about weed, you can check me out on Instagram at for the love of smoke. F O R. Uh, feel free to follow me there. Otherwise, um, no, not really, because I hate social media and I hate Mark Zuckerberg. Watch the <laughs> social dilemma. Yeah, watch the social dilemma. Seriously. All right, watch social dilemma. You can f- and on that note, you can find us on Facebook at Have You Seen This Podcast. I believe on Twitter it is seen this have you. Uh, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at J A E K Spencer. And then um, for us here at uh, Have You Seen This Podcast. So. Okay, bye. Love you. Yeah, stay safe, stay sane, and stay cinemated. That's. Stay alive. Yep. I couldn't figure out a word that represents movies. <laughs> Don't, don't erase us. people from your lives. Learn from your mistakes and move on. Yes, that's the moral of this story here. Yep, and we don't know what's going on after this, so enjoy life. Yep. All right, bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Jake here. Join us next week at Ethan Returns, and we discuss Mortal Kombat Annihilation. See you then. <laughs>